0: It's the hottest day of the summer. You can do nothing, you can do something, or you can do the right thing.
1: Welcome to Movie Time Machine, your retro movie review podcast where we take movies from the past and we live them in the present. This week's movie, Do the Right Thing, written and directed by Spike Lee, Released in the year 1989. I'm your Time Machine host, Chad, and I want to introduce you to my Time Machine co-host today. First, he's our living encyclopedia of movie knowledge and NES cart collector. It's James. What's up? Hey, how's it going, guys? And he lives in the entertainment past more than the present. It's Casey.
2: Have you guys heard of these Blu-rays? Crazy. Crazy.
1: No, I'm, and.
3: Still H- <laughs> I'm
2: still in HD. DS. Beta Max.
3: <laughs> Laserdisc.
0: disc. Ooh. And it's Mr. Scary Pants himself. Jamie, what's up? Hey, everyone. I didn't come up with a cool intro line.
2: So hello. Wait, what, what are you afraid of? Life itself. Deep. <laughs> Deep. All right. So
1: what's everyone been up to since the last pod? I want to share with you what I've been watching and maybe some accomplishments. I've uh hopped back on the MCU train, right? Trying to so I made it through uh was it Civil War? Mm-hmm. Like that one. Then I hopped into Black Panther Ooh. and finally finished that for the first time and Really like that one. I was there's some scenes in there. I was like surprised I never had any of this spoiled for me. Like yeah, some really cool stuff. <laughs> Thursday into that movie. Awesome. I was like wow, this is
3: really cool. And
2: is, then...
3: uh, in your adventures, have you found a new Marvel movie that you like better for the MCU? Like as far as like if you had a favorite before?
1: God, I don't. I mean, I like I all of a sudden like you sim- watch Civil
3: War and no, you're just like, this one is it. it. This is took over. I
1: don't know if this is it, but I feel like Civil War, Black Panther, those are really good movies. I feel they're like. on the top for sure. Yeah, they're so good. They're pretty cool. Um, then I'm about halfway through Doctor Strange. So then mm-hmm. after that, I think I'm. What do I have? I think I have one more movie, like Ant Man and Wasp. Then I'm on to uh, Infinity War.
2: Ant Man and Wasp leads right into that, I think, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Correct. And I'm doing the timeline order in it. Nice. Disney Plus has its uh, you know, conveniently mapped oh, out. Oh, does for it you, organize so, it like that? Yeah. It's pretty That's cool. That's awesome. Pretty sweet. So what have you been up to, Casey? Watching anything on YouTube?
2: Oh, dude, plenty all the time, always, <laughs> but uh, the thing that I watched most recently, we've been chatting about it in the in our group chat, but the new Bo Burnham special I thought was really good. I'm still kind of bumping the tunes to it uh, while I'm working. I thought that was really good.
3: <laughs> in my head now, like when you're working, it's just this montage. I'm kissing, I'm working, I'm going so fast, and just oh, typing, typing, God, typing. If
2: I could have him singing a song, narrating my day like that, it'd be it, my day would go so much faster.
3: Okay, because now I'm thinking of basketball when he's, like, singing in the car, and he's like, there's a truck changing lanes! He's like, <laughs> Exactly. You get that's, something that's on, your on your upper lip. monologue all the time. <laughs>
1: well, I don't want to... I feel like, it, of course, I'm the contrarian of the group, and I'll cut this out, because I don't want to be negative all the time,
0: but I just, <laughs> I I just, to just don't... It up for don't you. you dare cut I it just,
1: out. No. Well, wait, hey, fine, whatever. I just don't get Bo Burnham, man, like... I tried and you were sharing some things with me, 2 case and like I don't know. I just I think um I'm just out of touch, man. Like it just doesn't do anything for me. And you mentioned basketball, James, yeah. That was the two that kinda just don't get. I'm just out of touch with uh great entertainment, I guess.
3: Well I was gonna say you don't like uh <laughs> you don't like South Park, right? If I remember correctly. No, I
1: do I mean I like I liked South Park. It's just I feel like it got kind of old. I did watch the uh,
3: the pandemic special. Oh, I watch that too. Yeah. Oh, that was pretty funny. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, and oh. then also like you don't like the Book of Mormon because it's like it's not realistic. Isn't that what I heard from you?
1: I haven't seen the Book of Mormon. I was but, just uh, kidding.
3: <laughs> I I don't <laughs> like Josh
1: Gad. <laughs> oh, then you would
2: hate it because he's awesome in that.
1: Yeah, but I think, you know, if I went to... that's something I would like to actually go see, so and he wouldn't be a part of it. But hold of, on, do so you that not like Josh Gad because of Frozen? No, I just don't... I don't know, I just don't like Are you him. just olaf out? Yeah, maybe. olaf out. You're over it?
2: I'm over it. <laughs> olaf it. Right. it over it?
1: Yeah, but let's move just, on. Let's move on. He's just on. gonna let's, let it go. Yeah, let's let it go. Yes, James. Yes. Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> James, what have you been watching? You've been... I feel like you're watching a movie, like, a minute...
3: Somehow oh, manipulating time. time like you're <laughs> <laughs> I do. I keep you guys updated where I'm like, hey, I'm watching the new Liam Neeson movie during dinner. Don't worry. I think it just came out yesterday, but on Netflix. Um, so anyways, if you want to throw away a throwaway movie, I do recommend it. It's just fun Liam Neeson action. Uh, I have been watching. I got into Battlestar Galactica, the 2000s or whatever, not the 70s or 80s version or whatever it was. But the new version with Edward James Olmos and uh, Katie Sackhoff. Um, I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's one of those, I think everybody was telling me it was super good when it was on and then I just never got into it or time for it. And, uh, now I'm on the third season and I think I only started it probably like a week and a half ago. So, um, it's just on Tubi and the fun fact is like on my main TV, uh, it's a it's a newer Roku that's in there. It's like the stick or whatnot, and uh, so I have commercials on the Tubi app because I, that's how you watch your free movies or TV. Uh, and my older Roku, which is in my bedroom, I don't know if it's just like can't th- it's like thinking too hard. it can't do it, but it doesn't play the commercials, so I'm getting through it a lot faster. <laughs> oh, nice! Oh, like, I was 10. like, I'm <laughs> like, how did I finish like half a season like tonight? And then like I only got through like two episodes downstairs i'm like how did this even work and then it just occurred to me i'm like oh my god i'm not sifting through five commercials every 20 minutes so the good news but what i do like about tubi is unlike remember when hulu came out and it was the same commercial every time it went to a commercial yeah yeah so this actually it feels like it's got quite the variety where i don't feel as anxious waiting for it to be over so like i even when the commercials are playing it's not that bad so
1: all right um Hashtag yeah not I'm really Cool. Maybe uh, don't ever update your other your Roku box because maybe there's some update in there that uh, some firmware that is causing that to happen.
3: That's the thing is like I the reason I have that one upstairs initially it was just unplugged and I wasn't even using it anymore because it wouldn't update because on that box I couldn't get Disney Plus like it wouldn't allow me to, Um, and so that's why I got a newer version or the Roku stick and then got all the new apps that uh, come with it, but mine wouldn't update anymore. Just kind of like if I have like a Apple five C it's like, Nope, sorry. (laughs) Your phone's too dumb for YouTube now. (laughs) (laughs) Like what the hell you worked 10 years ago for YouTube. (laughs) Cool. Whatever. And that the the Battlestar right there's like that mini
1: series first you have to watch, then you go into the series, right?
3: Yeah, it's definitely okay. one of those I I looked up on the I had to Google like, hey, what's the best order to watch this? And it was very specific, like watch the mini series, which is a two two hour mini a two part two hour mini series, and it uh it's essentially the pilot, and then it goes into the seasons, which I think there's four seasons total, and I just finished season two where it suggests I watch like a seven webisode episode thing called razor. And I I kind of read what it was about and I'm like, Oh, it's like a prequel for something other thing where I was like, I'm good. I can probably come back to this and it's not going to affect my day, but we'll see.
1: All right. Awesome. Yeah. You said that was on two B, So like I started, I watched like the first 10 minutes of the, like the pilot or miniseries. So yeah, I think I want to jump into that. So awesome. Great recommendation. Sweet. Jamie, um, what have you been? What have you been watching, Jamie? I know that you haven't been watching The Mandalorian, and you haven't That's, been watching Winter Soldier or
0: Loki. Loki, that is correct. <laughs> but he has finished Wandavision. I have finished Wandavision, just because that show was so clever and so within my sensibilities. I loved Wandavision. Yeah, I tried Loki, fell asleep. Not the show's fault. I think that was post vacation. Hangover, hey. so we'll we'll try again. I, I really like Tom Hiddleston, though. I always liked the Loki character, so I'm happy to give it another try. um But I have just I, today I just watched The Conjuring again because um, I'm trying to rush through the first two before the third one leaves HBO Max, and it just takes me forever to watch movies these days. But yeah, That's watch a good that. Call. It's I was it's meaning so to do the good. same thing,
3: James. It's have you seen it before? I've seen the first Conjuring. I remember, I think, like, my wife and I was in our first apartment, so that, yeah, some time ago, but I just do remember being like, wow, that was the first movie in quite some time that startled me, like, I, where I was like, I don't want to finish this, I'm freaked out.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and that's why I kept putting it off, too, because I was waiting when I could get a chunk in the daylight to watch it, and the girls were asleep today, and I was like, all right, nap time, it's happening, so I and I then And you screamed and wake them up from a nap. Exactly. Yeah, but no, that movie is so well done, too. Along with being super scary, it's just a very well-made movie. So anyone who hasn't seen it, everyone probably has. But hey, rewatch it. It's that good.
1: You have to dive in. I haven't watched any of those, so and especially since it's on the Max. You have to check that out. So, All right, all right, all right. Is that everyone?
3: Sweet. Did you say what you were watching? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I,
1: yeah. I always, I always started off, so. Because then I want to tell you what I've been watching. Um, All right. Let's get into the movie of the week. Do the right thing. I think this is the one that you kind of brought to the table, Jamie, that we decided to go with. So excellent choice. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, First, let's go into the box office. Then we'll go over kind of critic ratings and reviews. And then we'll jump into our opinions and thoughts on the film. So. Box Office It was released on July 21st, 1989. A perfect month. Super hot, typically. Perfect for this film. Uh, had a budget of $6 million. And Box Office, it raked in $37.3 million. On IMDb, it has an 8 out of 10 rating. Metacritic has a 93%. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a critic score of 93% and an audience score of 90%. So... Who wants to dive in? I really love this movie. Um, it's been, for me, it's been, well, first, uh, has anyone else seen this? Has everyone else seen this before? Is this their first time going in? It's my
2: first time or here? First time here? Same, Jamie, is your first time. too?
0: Yeah, and that's why awesome. I picked it. If you don't mind me saying, Chad, I just, yeah. Um, out of all the major directors that kind of came out of the 90s and basically when I was growing up, Spike Lee was just this blind spot. In my film history, I'd seen Inside Man and then Black Klansman when it came out. But then not, oh, I did see Bamboozled in school, too. One of my professors showed that to the class. But I just wasn't familiar with a ton of his stuff. And I was like, that's a problem. He's, you know, a legendary filmmaker. Got to fix that. So that was kind of the impetus to watch it.
1: Yeah, this is. It's been probably a couple of years since I've watched this. I remember I watched this right before. Um, I feel like, yeah, it was like early 2020 was the last time I watched it. So I'm probably seeing this probably five or six, seven times now. But every time I watch this movie, it, it gets better. And I always, you know, have, it's like each time I watch it, there's like a, a different lens that I see it through or I see something new. And I think particularly now, like seeing this post- 2020 it's like god damn like this is i don't want to go too far into it but just like the i don't know it seems so relevant today um sadly and um but there's also great great cast the cast is amazing um it has good feelings there's great juxtaposition position with like the the jazz music and like the hip-hop like r&b flavor especially with like fight the power (laughs) so much in the film but yeah i i really like this one i feel like this one gets better um each time i watch it but um casey or james um what are your thoughts on this first time first thoughts
3: first impression walking into it with the uh rosie perez just doing her music video type dance like for the intro credits. I was wondering like, oh, how long is this going to last? Oh, they're going to do this for like 3 minutes of her just kind of doing a music video, not like a 90s music video. And so for me, I'm trying to think as far as did it age well? For me, that was perfect to set me in the tone of like when the movie took place and like kind of the clothing and everything else, but um I'm wondering if in the 90s I would have been like or 89, I should say. Uh, Super excited about like this uh, Paula Abdul esque like dance number in the beginning for like three minutes of the movie and then it just jumps in or what? Not to mention Mookie waking up next to his sister. I did not expect that to be his sister. How he woke her up? (laughs) Just throwing that out there. Um, But yeah, we can keep going into more things with this. Uh, But all around, I really enjoyed the movie a lot. Uh, I think all the characters were like I don't know. I should say well developed, but like living in a neighborhood like uh, where everybody knows everybody, everybody's seeing each other all the time. Um, They all have their um, the people they like or dislike. Uh, So like everybody just seems to know everybody uh, super well. So something happens to uh, like bug off or was that his name bugging bugging out? Bugging out. Yeah. Like if something happens to him and he's talking to everybody else, he's like, did you hear what happened to this? We got to we got to like boycott sales or, right. and you know, he, everybody's like, no man, I've been eating there since I was a kid. Everybody just knows what's going on in the neighborhood. And it was just a lot of fun. Um, I thought the whole them waking, nah, uh, they kept on referencing how hot it was out outside. I thought something else was going to happen. Like, uh, like w- involving the heat wave. I don't know what I was going to expect, but it was just uh, like, if only like they like do this, the scroll across all the newspapers going, Hey guys, it's hot Guess what? It's really hot. I don't know if you knew this, but it's super hot outside. And they just kept on talking about it. And so I don't know. I was <laughs> I felt like I was expecting something else there, but I'm not sure what it was.
1: Yeah, with that, James, I was listening to some interviews with Spike Lee, and part of Spike Lee's inspiration for this film, he said that they say that when the temperature goes above like ninety five degrees, like the crime rate increases. So that was that might be part of it. You know, just like oh, the, that's, it's, see, hot, it's getting hot, it's getting hot, it's getting hot,
3: or it's hot. That's right. See, and that's interesting. Like, and uh, that's just something like I guess I didn't understand at the time. I was waiting for it, like almost the explanation for it.
2: So but. Mama Bird checking in uh, <laughs> from, no, I, I found I was watching some really good, <laughs>
1: do a little regurgitation here.
2: Cheap, cheap, <laughs> cheap, cheap. Okay, for
1: so, those of you, those of you listening that don't understand what what is going on here, uh, I in our little chat um outside of the pod, I wanted to have Casey's introduction be, um, our what is it? Our mama bird regurgitating. <sighs>
2: Basically, takes, just yeah. Anyway, it back anyway. out. yeah. Yes. I, d- I don't have original takes. <laughs> I uh, I steal takes and just regurgitate them. And I'm going to do that again right now. Full disclosure. So uh, yeah, the thing that I I was kind of observed in some of the things I watched about this film after the fact about the heat specifically. That's why I'm jumping in. Is it's uh, specifically a metaphor kind of for the racial tension that exists not only in that you know in our country but in that community. And so by you know. They're talking about the heat, but you just flip that a little bit and you could say, oh, did you hear about so-and-so who got killed by the police? Oh, did you hear about, you know, it's the same like the same high tension of racial like tension that's always on the line and people just don't talk about it. It's just this small talk about, oh, what's the weather like? Oh, it's really hot out. So it's supposed to be their kind of juxtaposition about, you know, oh, it's just hot out. Everyone's talking about it, dealing with this high tension or this high heat that they're all suffering through. At the same time, it's kind of subtle about you know, the high tension and and racial disparity that we're kind of suffering through at the same time that goes unspoken, but we'll sit and talk about the weather. Okay, I like it.
0: Yeah, I picked up on that too, Casey. I think that when the for me, when the film started, I right away, I knew I was like, Oh, my God, I'm watching one of my new favorite movies of all time. Like that was the feeling I had. It's funny right away. It's, it's in New York. It's like this really intimate neighborhood with all these characters, very unique personalities, but then they keep bringing up the weather and it's like, I'm uncomfortable. I know something is going to happen, but I don't know what. So there's that tension kind of throughout the whole movie, even though like, like I said, I'm having a good time watching Mookie deliver pizzas and, you know, hoping there's some tension obviously with John Turturro and his job and, you know, something's going to happen, but you're not quite sure what so I think he does a really good job of kind of just s- starting small and then ratcheting it up as the film goes along. Uh, definitely. Like,
3: well, especially, like, yeah, the John Turturro character, because I think between like him and Mookie, like their two characters, like Mookie's trying to keep the peace. I feel like John Turturro was just like, dad, sell, dad, sell. Why are we in this terrible neighborhood? Mm-hmm. And like, let's get the hell out of here. I don't like being here. I don't want anybody here. Like even right when they walk in the, um, when they pull up to unlock all the bars and stuff from the pizza place, and they're like, "Hey, Dad, you get the AC fixed?" Nah, he won't come unless SWAT teams with him or whatever he says. Like he wants a security escort, like to be in the neighborhood. And like, so like we're led to believe like everybody else feels like this is a bad neighborhood. Everybody else feels like, "Hey, I just live in this neighborhood," uh, except for these guys. They work in there, and the kids don't understand why Dad still works there. And Dad's like, "Like, hey." I put my blood, sweat, and tears into this. Uh, these kids grew up on my food. Like, I'm comfortable in this neighborhood. I don't mind it, like, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, I don't know. Also, like, uh, with the um, the tension, uh, Jamie, that you were kind of talking about, like, you were just kind of feeling it throughout the movie. So, in the beginning, again, I, like, I was kind of walking into this movie blind. It's always one I wanted to see and just never had. Uh, but a couple weeks ago, I watched uh, Menace to Society, which I think came out, like, two years after this movie. Uh, and that one, I think, takes place more in Compton or in L.A., um, and that one is very much different where this one has a, a very, uh, I don't want to say com- more of a comedic tone, more color for it. Like, I'm not sure. And that one was straight up like, Oh, Hey, I like your watch. Bang, bang. I'm going to take that watch. <laughs> like kind of feel. Yeah. And this didn't feel like that toward, until the closer to the end. Um, and, uh, so I didn't know what I was walking into, but it's not what I was expecting. And it's, it was actually a, a
0: very much pleasant surprise. So I don't know. And I think I have a theory on that, James, just in addition to the different styles of filmmaking, I think that's like New York versus L.A., because I think L.A. is more subdivided into specific um, racially segregated neighborhoods. I don't know for sure. This could all be bunk. So grain of salt here. But I think New York is well, actually I know it's a lot more diverse, you know, and they're both port cities. So you got people from everywhere living together. But I think with LA, it's, it's more of a car town, you know, whereas New York, it's a walking town. So you just, you bump into more people naturally. I think that's probably why.
3: Okay. 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 All
1: right. Just a theory though. Take. I mean,
0: like I said, I'm, I'm no expert by any means.
1: Yeah. I think the overall tone of like, yeah. Menace to society is, I think is just a lot darker. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the, the points of it, I think are, 'Cause that's a is that a John Singleton? No, that or, was
3: I think that's like uh I don't want to say Hughes Brothers. Oh okay. Is that, is that right? I don't know. I'll look it up. Look it up. But yeah, it's answers. what it's a it's a brother duo.
1: Okay. All right. Hey Casey, you gave us the breakdown on the heat, but um I think we missed your first impressions on this one.
2: Yeah, I I went into this completely blind. Um, obviously, you know, I, I'd seen pop culture references, mostly, honestly, the only thing I knew from this movie was like the chalk drawing on the, the cover. And then he walks over. That's literally like all I knew about it. Um, so went in completely blind, um, I thought it was really good. I thought uh it felt a lot to me and I the only reason I compare it to this is cuz I saw this movie first, but it felt similar to me to uh Dazed and Confused. So it feels like Dazed and Confused like ripped this off, you know, without the underlying message uh an actual like important message to give out. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of just a movie where you didn't really know what the central like plot was. There wasn't a singular plot other than the plot being this big thing that you're watching uh, in this instance, we're watching this uh, vibrant community and in daising and Confused, you're like watching this school and the people that go to it and, and surround it. Um, but it was, uh, it reminded me a lot of that in, in a sense, just because you are following all those different storylines and they they all kind of intertwi- intertwine a little bit, but uh, you know, again, there's no, what's the driving force other than just documenting this day um, I think where where this movie absolutely stands out. Well, obviously, first of all, it came out first, so if anything, it was the inspiration for Days and Confused. Um, but I thought the way that he mixed in things like breaking the fourth wall, like that that scene where uh, you know everyone starts spouting off the, the, racial, the racial slurs yeah. and stuff, the the way he did that wasn't just interesting because oh hey, you you changed the the way of the 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 picture, but because it threw you into this whole different you know genre or style it made you kind of pay attention more it kind of jarred you a little bit into accepting that that scene a little bit differently and paying a little bit different attention to it and kind of the way that he could kind of bounce between that i think he did that really well in the uh the the love hate monologue too kind Mm. of throwing you into that where it was this monologue kind of shot almost like a like a theater like the stage the street was his stage there was nothing really in the background it was just kind of him delivering that monologue so he took you out of the the world he had created threw you into this singular stage with a spotlight to kind of shine a light on that message and then could just throw you right back into it and and you'd go with it you know like it was no big deal. it was an awesome you know flip between those different styles and transition back and forth where it never it never felt jarring in the sense that it pulled you out of the story. It felt jarring in the right way to kind of pique your attention and kind of have you listen to it a little bit differently and respond to it differently. Um, but yeah, I thought the movie was great. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up was again, going into a blind, I had no idea what was coming in the end. I had no idea there would be such a, a obviously and sadly relevant, um, you know, ending right with police brutality, killing someone. Um, but I'll tell you even now in 2020, that, that's the uh, 2021, right? What year is it? Um, when it gets to that right, you're kind of bouncing between all these funny stories, and yeah, you feel the tension growing and growing, and finally that happens. And man, did my gut just drop? Um, you know, kind of feeling like holy shit, this was in 1989, and this could have been made last week. This could be, you know, what we're watching right now. It's just, uh, I don't know. It was really important. I'm really glad that I've seen this now, and I kind of feel like more people need to see this because it's a a really good kind of obviously a good artistic piece showing you what you know what the city looks like. But I think. Especially for a uh, you know middle-aged white dude, right? Um, it, it kind of really shows a good example of how how that kind of all happens, and you have people like uh, uh, like Sal, right? Who you know comes off as this uh, doing the right thing, he thinks himself, right, providing for this neighborhood. But when it comes down to it, and when it matters, he is you know kind of a racist prick, and kind of lets those prejudices come over him, and uh, it kind of show you how you know being inactive is almost sometimes just as racist as being like an active racist you know so I think and and that's another thing I kind of gathered in some some listening to interviews and watching some reviews of things after the fact was uh he was specifically kind of made to be that character for us to slowly start to and when I say us I mean white people um slowly start to kind of uh you know you sympathize with you're like oh Sal he's the he's the good you know, white guy in that neighborhood, Mm. he's going to hopefully turn his son, his stupid racist son around, you know, maybe, you know, you sympathize with him, you empathize with him, you start to like him. And then at the very end, you're like, Oh, you know, now he's sitting here bitching about his burnt down building when someone just died, you know, fuck him, right? That's kind of, you know, you kind of, it makes you kind of turn around and think, Oh, man, like, that's how easy it is to, to, you know, slip back and forth between that and how easy it is for, you know, Someone privileged like us to be able to do that. So I don't know. Sorry, I'm, a ram- I'm rambling at this point, but I thought it was a really important uh, film. I'm really glad I watched it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah the...
3: regurgitating really that. Yeah, <laughs>
2: you're welcome. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, the
1: I'm just I'm just amazed at how relevant this film is. Just I mean, with amazed like the... and
2: sad, right? That's part of the gut drop. Is it sad that yeah, it's still relevant? But you know?
1: even. This movie is going to be 30 what? 32 years old next month. So a month yeah. older
0: than I am. Yep, 32.
1: Yeah, so that's I just when I when I watched this film it just didn't even feel, feel like a film from I don't know. It's it, it didn't feel like an old film. <laughs> I mean, maybe and it's not something I didn't see like right away when it was first released. It, I probably didn't see it till I was like in high school, but Yeah, I'm just amazed at how relevant it was. I just really love the characters in it, too. And like everyone kind of gets their own little like scene kind of in the beginning of the movie. And there's all these kind of like strings and everything kind of does get pulled together. Everyone ends up in that that kind of that climactic moment that at the very end, like everyone's there to kind of see what happens and for all that tension to build up and and go off. And I just find almost every character that you meet in this film, too, it's like you you like like the character not that they're a likable character but do you like that character i mean it's just i i don't know this is like a movie i feel like i can just go back and and rewatch, and it's just it's kind of fun to kind of pick out little things and go back and because i was just watching some random scenes today and just even like the three guys like in front of like the red brick building you know with uh was it is it uh slick dick willie or
2: yeah, Sweet Dick Willie. Sweet Dick Willie, yeah. <laughs> like, the
1: commentary. <laughs> Those just guys like the, rule.
2: We're <laughs> super funny, you know, so you get... It's the way they rag on each other and troll people. It's like yeah. the original trolls, right? They just sit there, watch people walk by, and then talk shit. It's awesome. Yeah, and but I was kind of rambling there,
1: but I just wanted to share, too. It's, it's, you do get this sense of this community. It's, It's small. Everyone kind of knows each other. Like, you know, like, they... I mean, it's within, like, a couple blocks, so I just like how it it made me it reminded me of like when i lived in a trailer park right and everyone that lives in this trailer park is not very i mean well off you know like and it's just like you no know, a lot of people don't have air conditioners <laughs> if they do it's just for like their bedroom it's like a window unit and you get people where you're just sitting outside <laughs> on your steps or on your stoop and just cause it's too hot to even be outside and you're just outside to, you know, drinking like your, your lemonade or your water or whatever, or iced tea. And so it kind of, you kind of have that same sense of community too. Cause like, you know what everyone is doing cause everyone knows where everybody's living. You kind of see everyone walking through and walking by. So yeah, I really like that aspect of the film. Just that, that community has a portion of it too.
3: I think this is one of the first or, like main parts for Samuel Jackson too. So Mr. Senior Love Daddy. Um I think that this was uh, if I fast forward to like a couple of years later like yeah, he was in Goodfellas but even in Goodfellas he's only in it for like pff, 5 minutes maybe, maybe probably less. Uh and then after that I'm thinking Na- uh, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1, he was finally like a main character in something. So, I don't know. Th- this I would say he was probably in my head when I'm watching it now, I'm like, "Oh, he's one of the main stars of this movie but at the time probably not at the time uh, probably uh even Danny. uh, i don't even know how to say his last name chad a A yeah he was probably the the most he's probably the most um fancy name on there like even john totoro like in it like now it's like i feel like household name but then who's to say um but it was fun watching like the whole cast come through like when you see radio and i'm like all right i know this guy it's a younger version why do i know this guy oh he's the cop and sister act duh why well, of course <laughs> why don't i know that um or like uh i'm gonna say this one wrong to, uh, to chad but Giancarlo carlo espacito uh but yeah like so he's been in like everything like breaking bad he's in mandalorian like he's all over the place now um in a very popular uh very popular guy now. So, I don't know. It, this is just like I felt like it was almost like this movie either caught people and started like creating careers or like they were just like in the start of building careers that they were all able to get in on this movie. Was this uh this wasn't Spike Lee's first joint, was it? This is a second? Everybody was, knows? Yeah, this um she's
0: she's so, got to have it and yeah. then school days. And then he did a bunch of, it looks like video short, probably music videos. Um, let's see. The butt, Buckwild. Da butt. <laughs> <laughs> doing The butt. Do you guys
1: yeah. remember Mars Blackman? No. Before my time. Mars Blackman. It was a character that Spike Lee created for the Nike Air Jordan commercials. Check it out. Google it sometime. Was they, was they were awesome.
2: It might. I might know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, it was just like black and white. It was Spike Lee wearing like his, his uh, you know, fat rimmed black rimmed glasses, and uh, had like the, the the cap with like the it's like the smaller, um, uh, lid on the cap, and it's like folded back. Uh, they're <laughs> they're so good. It's that gotta be. Sp- it's where like the it's gotta be the shoes
3: comes from. I don't remember oh, that, but I was gonna say. The hat description, that always reminds me of uh, White
0: Man Can't Jump. Wesley Snipes always wore those
3: hats when yeah, he yeah, playing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yep, man. Yep.
0: Yeah, they they have some of those in um, The Last Dance, chat. I don't know if you saw that, the Michael Jordan uh, documentary series. They, I think they show at least one or two of those spikely Air Jordan commercials. I think oh. that's
3: what I'm thinking of, Jamie. I think you're right because I was like, I feel
0: like I've seen this, but I don't know what, where from, but that makes sense. Yeah. And James, I want to go back to what you were saying and kind of what Casey was saying, too, about all of these um, actors who were going to be famous, including ones that already were. It's it's like Spike Lee and Quentin Tarantino. And that's why I think I was so pumped, too, to see this movie, because I, I've seen almost all of the Quentin Tarantino movies and, you know, very similar. They're both they have their own styles of, you know, I'm here. I got something to say. Oh, and by the way, I make really great movies. So like sit down and listen and i couldn't help but feeling a lot of those things like very different styles very different filmmakers but similar in the sense of like here's these actors and comedians like martin lawrence is in this movie who are going to be huge and martin. what a treat that we get to see them yeah <laughs> what a <laughs> treat that we get to see them before they blow up and have their own respective careers
3: yeah i was gonna say i forgot i would even, wasn't even thinking about martin lawrence and i forgot yeah he was in there and i remember I think I tried looking it up and I think he was one of the ones that was like introducing Martin Lawrence, I think at the beginning, or I know for sure um, Rosie Perez had said introducing her. Um, I did look up uh, like, Hey, was she supposed to be acting before this? Was she found like at a casting call? Like what was this? And the story was uh, either. I think Spike was, I think he was working at a club or DJing at a club. And, Uh, Rosie Perez was dancing on top of a speaker and the security guards were like trying to get her to come down and she wouldn't stop dancing and then just started yelling at the security guards all profanely and loud in, in her very Rosie Perez voice and he's like Yo, and then cast it on the spot. <laughs> and I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna change your life, or something like that. This is gonna change your <laughs> life forever, or something. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about shirtless scenes? No, yeah. we'll we'll get a double. We'll get a double. It's fine. Right. <laughs> and some ice cubes. <laughs> and some ice cubes. I feel about it's gonna be hot out that day. It's gonna be hot. <laughs> yeah, um
1: yeah, the cast is amazing. Uh does anybody have a favorite character in this film? I mean I just I, mean, I listed some here in the the doc, but um, like Mookie, oh, to... Tina, back is to it...
0: the the three guys on the corner. I I got a shout yeah. out Frankie Faison, Coconut Sid. He's I'm wa- I'm rewatching The Wire, and he's um, oh is he Major Burrell? But yeah, he's a very prominent actor in The Wire, so it was fun to see him in this.
1: Oh really? I haven't it's been a while since I've seen The Water or The Wire, but. Oh yeah, that is him! Holy shit, that's cool. All right, I'm just looking at his uh, IMDb here. Ran, cool.
0: Yeah, I I but I guess I'll just go. I'll say I got two. I, well, Mookie, it's hard. I I don't blame Spike Lee for giving himself the best part. I mean, it's your movie. <laughs> go for it. So, I I really liked him, and then I really loved um, Ozzy Davis who plays the I love that character.
3: Yeah, I that's yeah. I was gonna say the same thing. That's probably one of my favorite characters. Him and uh mother sister, I think like their play off each other, I think was really, really well.
1: Yeah, because they were I mean, I think they're both gone now, but they were actually married in real life, those two actors as well. The mayor and mother sister. So that might where some of that chemistry may have come from. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I really like those those interactions between those two. And it just kinda that's the thing is like you get like these little um you know, I'm not I'm not a film expert, but just these kind of little scenes with like these little groups of characters and each one is like a little bit different. I just and it just kind of breaks off and it comes back to him. I just love how it builds his characters through this movie. Um it's like it's like you live there and you already know everybody. It's like he brings you in, you're part of the community. So what was your take on the radio
0: Raheem love and hate
1: monologue?
0: Well, Chad, you mentioned the, I don't want to steal your thunder here because you said it in the chat. I'll give it credit, but his love and hate um, bracelets night of the Hunter, Robert Mitchum. I can't remember what year it was. I think it was the fifties. Um, but I guess I took it to be these two conflicting ideologies and, spike kind of does it with smiley with malcolm x and martin luther king jr Mm -hmm. and he, he ends the film with quotes from both of them and notably he starts with mlk but ends it with the malcolm x quote which i think is a statement in and of itself but just kind of how these two men both beloved um well mlk more by white people than malcolm x was at the time but conflicting ideologies but both ultimately fighting for the same thing um just civil rights for black people. So just kind of how those different ideas, um, where they're similar, where they're different and why we kind of need both of them. I guess that was
2: my take on Radio Raheem's uh, rings. You know, I would even take it a step further. I would even say that he, what they're trying to explain when he was saying that like love kind of wins it all. I would even argue that both Malcolm X and MLK both are fighting on that side but when he's talking about the struggle between the two of them, I think what's what's illustrative of that is that Malcolm X maybe lets the other side win a little bit more to get something done, you know, because I think it's it's disingenuous to say that the violence that that may be necessitated to do the, to, to make the change happen. It comes from a place of hate because it really doesn't. It comes from a place of love and trying to get, you know, equal rights. Uh, and, in and, and respect in life for these people that are owed it. Um, so to say that one side is coming from love and one is coming from hate, I think is also part of the problem. Maybe why he illustrates that in the monologue is because it, it shouldn't be that black and white, and it's never that black and white. And that's often kind of what it gets turned into. Unfortunately, like you to, to spit it to today, you know, you, anyone, you see any, uh, uh, not to throw bricks right but any conservative talking head talking about black lives matter and they're like oh it's all coming from hate it's like no you know the end goal is equality and justice and life like it's always the end goal is always love and yeah maybe you know the spectrum has to bleed a little bit into the violence um that might feel like hate um but it's never coming from a place of hate and that's the sad part that it's it gets kind of cut into black and white like that
1: yeah i've this is the first time I've thought about this watching this movie because the way it ends with the two quotes and I don't know. I, I didn't read anything to if it was intentionally done by Spike Lee to end with the Malcolm quote versus MLK. And I think through history, like there's always this, this conversation about how, you know, Malcolm was like the more violent, you know, versus philosophy versus mlk but i don't think the two are actually that different because mm-hmm. when malcolm in that ending and at least in that quote that ends the movie i was like talking about self-defense i'm just like i was thinking it's like oh yeah if you're in in a pos- position of like you know like say it's police or somebody coming to your place. And I think Malcolm X, like, wasn't like his father, like approached by the clan or whatever. And like, I'm sure like all the stuff, like if someone's coming at you based on your race, do you have the right to defend yourself? Even if that defense of yourself has to become violent, you know, versus I, I feels like, you know, I'm trying to say there, like it's not just a call for violence, but if you need to defend yourself, as a person, for this reason, like you sh- like any means necessary to protect yourself and preserve your life. That's kind of how I read into it because that's how it ends with that photo, a famous photo of, of those two together. It's like, right? They're both fighting for the same thing, essentially. So I just feel like maybe maybe I need to read up more on it, but I feel like, oh, this is a moment in history to where maybe we were meant to believe Malcolm X was more radical you know, than he actually was. Cause you don't, you always hear about MLK, but Malcolm X was kind of like, yeah, then there was Malcolm X. Okay. Anyway, um, on the MLK and what he did. So,
2: yeah, I mean, not to know. not get on a soapbox. That's just a lot of whitewashing. His is the, there's a product of a lot of whitewashing by a lot of people for many decades to try to, you know, paint those two people into a corner. And I think that's where we all suffer for. I agree with you. like, I, growing up, I think Malcolm X was always kind of painted as the, oh, yeah, he wanted equality, but man, he went about it the wrong way. And, you know, reading into kind of his ideology, like, did he? I don't know. I don't think he did.
0: I I think you're right. And the U.S. government actually, you know, viewed them both the same, even though if you, you could argue MLK's message was a little bit softer they were both targeted by the U S government and assassinated by the U S government. So to mm. them, they they were both threats for their ideas. Yep.
3: And spike did, I mean, what was it? Two movies later, he did, uh, the screenplay and directed Malcolm X, the movie.
1: Yeah. With Denzel. I know. I just saw it's on HBO max. So I'm going to have to go Is back on. Really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I, uh, and actually, I started watching what was the other one that's on HBO Max? I started watching is he got game. But Denzel, oh, yeah, have you guys seen that one? I have not. Mm-mm. Yeah, I just started watching because no. um, there's like the opening of that film, too. And I think this is where I started thinking is like, I think Spike Lee is maybe. So underrated, maybe as a director, like he he's not spoken of. Again, this might be some kind of whitewashing. It might be because he's a black direct director at the time, but where he does this thing and he got game where it starts out with, um, it's like a bunch of people playing like street basketball, you know, it's like different times of the day, you know, it's like white people, it's black people, you know, it's like different races. It's like, you know, it's like a street court during the day in the inner city. And then it's like a court in like some like rural community, but the music that's playing, it's like from, um, like, I don't know, like Oklahoma or something like that, you know, where it's just like a bunch of string instruments, you know, it sounds like very country, juxtaposed with like this kind of, you know, what seems like a very kind of urban sports, you know, like basketball and stuff like that. So which wish I have to go back and um, I got to finish that movie, but just that and I just love what he does in that film. He does the same thing and do the right thing with like the jazz and like the hip hop It's, it's I don't know. He's he's a He's a Cinephile and like he he pays homage, I think, to these older films that he saw growing up. And he that's the kind of cool seeing that inspiration now in those movies. So I need to go back and watch for the first time
3: and rewatch to kind of look at it through that lens as well. And Chad in Mo yeah. Better Blues in nineteen ninety, what that was also Denzel Washington. But let's fast forward to 2018 Black Klansman. Who is the lead actor in that movie? John
1: David Washington. Correct. Do you <laughs> know who that is? <laughs> I just found out today that that is Denzel's kid. It's his son. Did yeah, you know
2: that? So, yeah, I was aware. <laughs> wow.
0: Casey, James, Jamie.
2: And... No oh, idea. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. oh you did not know? Alike and sound alike. I'll, I'll join you chad
0: okay no
1: thank idea. you thank you thank you
0: did, did any of you guys watch ballers because I, I i honestly i didn't know until i watched ballers and then i was like oh that's denzel's son and then i looked it up to confirm i was like oh yeah it's
2: oh is that it's why it's i denzel's made the son. mistake of of watching ballers on a plane uh episode two there were a lot of of breasts so i had to turn it <laughs> yes. off i was sitting next to a child <laughs> not my child either uh, a random child
1: did you go to him and be like, whoa. You get hungry. Oh no, I
2: very quickly turned that off. Very quickly turned that off.
1: <laughs> Sorry kid, the snack cart's gonna be not gonna be down the aisle for another hour or so. Pretzels, please. Oh, Pretzels.
2: God. Look down the aisle. Look down the aisle. <laughs>
3: Uh, fun fact, so I was looking to see what Spike Lee's got up and coming, and uh, apparently he's doing an untitled Spike Lee musical, musical about the origin of Viagra. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> Pfizer, Pfizer's erectile dysfunction drug. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. I, 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 I'm excited.
2: <laughs> I'm
1: <laughs> in. <laughs> Does that make you perk up? <laughs> okay, um. My interest has been piqued. <laughs> what did you guys think about the smiley character? He kinda has these like random scenes too where he is kinda there's like moments he's like preaching or no, he's kinda explaining like who MLK and then Malcolm X is and he has the photos and he's sewing the photos. And then we get the ending scene where he pins the photo of a uh, Malcolm and M L K on the wall so as it's burning down.
2: And he was you forget he was the one who would let the match. That's right, yep. Yep, yeah. that's well, right. Well and I was trying to think of
3: like so I'd say the three main characters that Sal or his family kind of yelled at besides Mookie was Smiley, Radio, and uh, Buggin' Out. Like, the three dudes at the very end that, like, started trashing his place and then eventually lit it on fire. Um, but they were, they were the three that I feel like had, like, full-on confrontation where, like, they were getting yelled at by Sal or somebody else to, you know, buy something or get out basically. And everybody else was kind of more than welcome to be there.
1: Why don't you put some extra know. cheese on that extra cheese is $2.
3: <laughs> Dude. I loved it. And it, I was like, I saw the uh, Parmesan next to him and I'm like, and I'm like, God, that's what I would have done. Right. <laughs> been like, well, I'm, I'm going to
0: dump half this bottle on there. <laughs> well, I think it's what you said, Chad, about how, how much time and care he took with every single character. Because yeah, I mean Smiley's doing his own thing, and you know he's gonna. Actually, you didn't know. I didn't know how they were gonna conclude his arc. But when he pins those two photos in the burning pizza place, I you, you you when you just get those like tingly feelings when you know when the movie just does something so cool and brings it all together. That that was one of those moments for me where I was like, oh, Smiley knew the whole time, you know, because he's obviously slower and. People seem to be treating him with kid gloves or just outright, you know, cynicism and they're being mean mm-hmm. to him. Yeah. But clearly he's far more aware than for sure. What Jamie we would give him credit for
3: like when it all comes together. Like remember in the Mandalorian when like all of the Darth Mauls showed
1: up. No,
2: I don't. Jamie doesn't either. <laughs> nope.
1: <laughs> well, that's the thing with the smiley character, right? Like I, Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit, I didn't gonna. look read into this, but the Smiley character, I just assume that he's like oh, this character has like uh, cerebral palsy, right? So but everyone looks at him like he's like slow, right? I don't know if I'm reading into this right or wrong, but so it's like he's he's very into like Malcolm and MLK, right? And he's passionate about it and he's kind of he's kind of doing like art with these photos he has, right? Too. So um, with like the little scribbling or like the color pencil drawings or whatever, marker drawings on, on the picture. So I don't, I don't know where I was going with this, but I feel like that character is not. I just want to share that was what I kind of looked at that character. No, no just the, that, the character is
3: actually more aware than we're giving credit. Yes. Thank there you, you James. Cool. I I'd, you. See, that's, that's why I need you
1: guys. Like, right? You guys, you guys kind of, you. you guys put the meat on the bone. You know what I'm saying? Or something. You know,
2: I don't like know that. that. I think i I think he was. Uh, I think he was actually. Uh, you know, someone with Down syndrome or something like that. So I think he was less aware. I think what he was used for um, was to kind of show. Uh, stepping back, I think you can see the empathy in, in a person. You can see someone's true character. I think when you're interacting with someone who, you know, has needs like that, and I think they used him as a really good way to show the difference in how the community, they all, you know, were cool with him. And yeah, maybe sometimes he was obnoxious, but they eventually were nice to him and, and helped him out. But then you turn around and uh, you see, what was Sal's kid's name? John Tutoro, When he like goes out there and just rails on him and just absolutely just, is just super mean to him. He was like the meanest of anyone in the whole movie. And I think that was mm-hmm. for a reason, right? To kind of show this is a really easy way to gauge your true character is how do you treat these people who need maybe a little more tender love than just your run of the mill people mm-hmm. in the community, for right. sure.
3: And also that whole scene would happen, like that was right when him and his dad were having that heart to heart, and his dad's like, "Why are you like this?"
1: Yeah, like, yeah. That's not. And then he from goes me. and
2: shows how shitty he is. Right.
1: Did you? Oh, I want to. I want to mention this too before I forget. So you know, we're talking about like him pinning the wall at Sal's as like the the photos are burning and like the the wall of fame of all these kind of white actors and. Very and celebrity like and, Italian. Yeah. <laughs> Which, um, was also, I guess the inspiration for the fight, the power lyric about, um, I think it's like Elvis was a hero to most, but he never meant shit to me like motherfuck him and John Wayne. So that kind of, yeah, idea, I remember you know, that
2: stuck I remember really that lyric well very specifically.
1: Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, I also, um, yeah, because Spike Lee kept on going to Chuck D, a Public Enemy, and saying, like, I need an anthem. I need an anthem. <laughs> I need an anthem. And Chuck D was saying that when they went to the one of the film screenings, be- screenings before the final cut, Chuck D was like, I kind of just sank down in my chair because, like, man, I think the song is too- in this movie too much. He's like, good thing it was good because. But, uh, yeah, I love that song, Fight the Power. But the the pitcher wall, have, have you guys ever been to, it's been years for me, but been to the Popeye's on Lake Street? I think it burnt down maybe a few years ago. But
2: No, I only hit the drive-thru, I think, once. Oh, yeah. So it's never I was, was going to say,
3: I think I hit the drive-thru and never been inside. Oh, they had a wall of fame
1: in there of, like, pitchers and stuff. And I don't know if it was just, like, if that's a thing at, like, Popeye's or it was just this location, but um, I used to go in there quite a bit. Um, back
3: I think in the it day. just depends on how long certain I feel like if like there's a restaurant that's been up since the 50s if that makes sense like yeah. 50s and 60s I feel like then all of a sudden if it did become famous where somebody did stop in like then I could see that being a thing I cannot imagine that happening today
1: no I was well, I was convinced at one time because like I think I was like I think they just like print out random pictures and like do like a fake
3: autograph and put it in the picture frame. Like there's, frame. Like like, there's no like, way Jackie Chan actually right. went to this Popeye's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but there's, I remember stuff like captain Lou Albano, like old WWF wrestlers. And, um, who else I remember? And I remember, uh, Ric Flair being up on that wall, but then like a lot of like local cats too. Like, um, was that sweet?
3: Was it sweet Ray or
1: he's, he used to be like on every like kind of local Minneapolis.
3: Oh, that uh, dude that owns a barbecue place. Sweet baby rays. No,
1: no, the
3: barbecue kidding. sauce guy no yeah i was just kidding
1: <laughs> you guys remember what i'm talking about no It's be like i oh, like ton of like local minneapolis uh um is it commercials the my and pillow stuff guy like no not a white dude <laughs> mike lindell <laughs> <laughs> or is like sweet ray oh fancy ray fancy ray you guys remember fancy ray
3: i googling it right now. I no. have <laughs> no idea what you're talking fancy about. Ray? Is this a boxer?
1: No, just Google like just Google fancy Ray commercials.
3: <laughs>
0: I don't have he, the. Local he's a comedian.
1: History. Oh, I'm sorry. Just yeah, just no. check it out. Just we can move on. But F- fancy Ray internet press is so low. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I have no but, idea. Yeah, he, I used to catch him on the bus too, like a few times back in the day. But um, all right. Enough about that. Um, what other questions I have for you guys?
2: So, do you want to get Hold into, on, you know, we gotta it? We got to ask then. Yeah, if it, yeah. if we're getting towards the end, did he do the right thing? I was just going to ask that. Okay, I read your mind. I'm sorry, did. I didn't mean to trip on your touchdown pass. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, yeah,
1: great question, Casey.
2: Do you do you have a thought on that? I I think uh i mean man that's tough i i want to start though with uh you you kind of called it out in our little our our chat thing and i think i read i saw the same thing when i was doing my little baby mama uh my my mama bird edib- and eating it up you know uh spike lee has said yeah in the 20 20 years since the film came out no black person ever asked him why mookie threw the trash can right and, that, and that's not exactly the answer, did you do the right thing or not? It's, you know, why did you throw the trash can? But, man, that is such a really interesting question. And every, the more I the more I listen um, to different people talking about it, especially Spike Lee and, and people who, you know, are a little more plugged in, um, it's just such an, an interesting question to kind of ponder on and what is the right thing, um and so I don't know that I have a great answer. And I think if I had to pick one, um, I think the answer is yes. I think the reason he did that was most of the movie, um, Mookie is very inactive. He's just kind of a he, he's kind of a observer in this neighborhood, a participant, um, but never really a driving force. Mm. And it, it almost seems like he's been thrown into the side of you know against his community because he's employed by. You know this pizza shop owned by some white italians and and they're you know kind of the outsiders but kind of part of the community uh and it almost seems like he's he's thrust into that position and i think at the very end deliberately spike uh you know spike had him walk across the street to empty that trash can to then walk back across the street and huck it through the window to say hey you know when it's all said and done when when the shit hits the fan this is what I side with. I side with with justice. I side with my community. And I think, uh, when it, you know, if you ask me, I'm the, you know, bleeding liberal hippie. Uh, I think you did the right thing. I think you stand up for those things more than anything else. Um, yeah, so I think he did, I guess.
1: Yeah, I like that take, too, because there's that one scene, too, where, where Mookie's in Sal's, and he's like, hey, Mookie! He's like, Why'd you, why'd, you, why'd you give it to black people on the wall? He's like, don't ask me, ask Sal, you know, like <laughs> he just right, kind of right. passes, passes the buck there. Mm hmm. I like that. It's a good take. I
3: thought it yeah. was interesting that, um, after, after the trash can throwing the place, burning down the scene where like Mookie's like, I'm going to go get my money. <laughs> like, it's like they, in my head, I'm like, wait, you're going to run over to burn down Sal's place, a burnt down Sal's place. And be like, Hey, can I get my paycheck? It's Friday. Kind of thing, And I was just like, wait, what? I was like, that kind of threw me for a loop. Uh, But I liked the interaction between the two where like Mookie's like, Sal, it's all good. You're going to get paid. Insurance is going to give you your money. And he is like, I'm not, I could care less about the money. I like, I I put all my blood, sweat and tears in this place for 25 years or whatnot, painted the walls, did the plumbing, whatever. And uh, like that, he's like, that's what I care about. He's like, I put my time and effort into this. Like, that's why I'm mad kind of thing and uh, he's like well still you owe me my money i thought that was interesting i you know like the reaction yeah
2: i want to jump on that because i love that scene um for that reason too and and i think that scene too shows that mookie thinks even in the end that no matter what he did the right thing because despite all of it he still shows back up the next day and says hey you know where's my money um and i think uh, to harken back to something we were talking about earlier i think that scene as well um you know although you you empathize a little bit like oh your your shit got burned down that is the last shining kind of example of where that line in the sand is you know for us white people cuz he despite the fact that you know a life was lost the night before all he cares about is the physical right the the building that burned down the the, the things he had he it's like that matters more than the life and it's just such a it's a bummer that even the next morning after all that chaos still happens. Um, that he still kind of shows his true colors a little bit in that scene. And it's it's a it's a complicated scene. It's a complicated finale, and I think that's why it works so well. Is because it's juxtaposed. Juxt- I can't even pronounce that. It's 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 lined up. Thank you. <laughs> it's lined up right with Mookie kind of doing the same thing. Like it's almost an olive branch. Mookie's offering. Like, hey, I'm gonna show up and I'm still gonna talk to you. I helped you know throw this trash can mm-hmm. through your window and this shit got burned down. But guess what? I'm gonna come ask for my money, and we're gonna still have this relationship. You know, we're still both part of the community, and you know, he even almost, almost tries to offer that money back, but then ends up taking it with taking him it. anyways. Um, so it's kind of he's, it's the olive branch there. It's kind of you know Sal still showing, despite all of it, his true colors, um, and that you know what he really cares about is the is you know himself and the physical more than you know the thing that just happened. I don't know. It's just a beautifully complicated ending, and mm-hmm. I and I love that scene. Yeah, sure. sound like.
1: Sorry, James. I was just going to say, was, like, you go. Um, Yes. Sal controlled all that, like, right? Like, up to that moment, like, Sal's, like, busting up Radio Rahim's boombox, right? That's, yeah, that was that the was, that was, incident. It was over after that, you know? Like, he's, so it's still kind of on him. I mean, dude, mm-hmm. put fucking different picture on the wall. Who gives a fuck? Like, whatever, man. Like, Ultimately, well, that, he committed he, the
2: first crime, right? Vandalism to, to his shit. Like, no one else was committing a crime. They yep. played music loud. They were in there. He hadn't kicked him out yet. He told him to turn the music down. Yep. He was the one who first started, the, you know, an assault of some kind. Yeah. He's, yeah. Then that's why the cops
1: came. That's why Radio Rahim's dead. You know, that's. That's the guy that fucking called the cops on the fake twenty dollar bill, you know? Like Yeah. <laughs> kind of shit. But anyway, James, you had something great to say.
3: I don't know. I feel like you always go so deeper than me. My thing was just gonna be, um, did we get the feeling like and I'm happy it didn't happen because of Radio Rahim, like like uh Mookie's friend just died, but at the end, like when He goes to get his money from Sal. It felt like they were leading up to this like moment where Sal and him were supposed to like hug it out and everything was going to be okay or something. And I'm super happy they didn't. I don't know if anybody else got that feeling like that might have ended that way or it was leading towards that. Um, But they didn't, which because then I was like, God, that makes no sense. And I'm going to be so happy if they wrap this up with this little bow. Like, hey, guys, we're cool. Yeah. (laughs) Then they all like all of them did like the Toyota jump. And that's hot. Oh yeah, they, like, for sure. Freeze frame in the air. <laughs> they all like walk into the sunset in the hottest day of the year, and it's gonna be like Roger Rabbit style. Time yeah. of the day. yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, no, it just I don't know if anybody else felt that way. I thought they were leaning towards like they were gonna make up after arguing and kind of getting into it, and then think. And I'm happy they did it. Yeah.
2: But. Well, it's it's funny too. The other thing, and I'll regurgitate some more takes from other things I saw, is that scene is a really funny. Um, mirror scene of when uh, Radio Rahim was blasting against the that other smaller boombox, that crew of uh, like Latino guys that were playing their music. And it was almost the same thing, right? He's asserting his dominance through the music. And that one ended in kind of a, a more neutral, happy, kind of funny way, right? Because the, the other dudes conceded, yep, you got the bigger boombox, it's cool. You know, he moves along, he even throws his fist up, right, as he walks away. Mm. And then they kind of do that same thing, right? Here, I'm going to do that, you know, show you my power with the boombox, box. Um, but then he flips it and says, nah, you know, Sal's going to fuck that up with a bat, a bait, a wooden baseball bat, which is also kind of a, a symbol, you know, symbolism of the, the brutality that has been inflicted upon people of color, you know, from white people in the past. Of course he's got a, you know, battered up old rustic old wooden bat that he uses to smash it. So it just takes that scene that you were familiar with. You saw the outcome before you see that same kind of thing happen again. It flips and, and it goes way, way worse.
0: That's right. Well, and I think that's the message, too, is if, you know, Sal and his family, Vito and Pino had taken the time and Vito's more innocent than Pino, but, you know, still same family. If they had really just fully integrated themselves into that neighborhood, put some pictures on the wall, Sal doesn't even need the bat. You know, because if that is your community, if that is your neighborhood, who's going to rob you? And if they do, just ask your neighbors; they're going to tell you mm-hmm. who did it. You know, they're going to mm-hmm. stand up for you. Cool. So you're saying they so my,
3: my neighborhood the will stop. I was going to say my neighborhood will stop steal, stealing those catalytic converters or whatever they are out of people's trucks. If I just no love my neighbors more. No, I'm just kidding. You just got to park <laughs> in the garage, James. No, I'm good. I just deserve it about one of my neighbors, apparently, it happened to. So, what What's are funny, the influence? In, in, oh,
2: go ahead. I was, hold on, let me, let me barf one more thing out. Another thing that I saw is a Spike Lee thing that he was talking about in, a, in an interview. Um, and you know, because what I said earlier, one of the quotes that you'd pulled up, the you know, no one ever asked why, no black person asked why Mookie throws a trash can. Um, but he was also saying, you no, know, since I made the movie, everyone always asked, Did Mookie do the right thing? Did Mookie do the right thing? no one ever asks did the police officer do the right thing did sal do the right thing right it's always just mm-hmm. about that main protagonist and never about all the other tangential people that built up to that time and into that that climax right um to the match being lit you know who you know they only asked did, did the tra- was the trash can the wrong move well shit maybe you know murdering the black man was the ba- was the bad move maybe starting a fight over something that could have been you know disarmed otherwise was the bad move and not the right thing
1: yeah. So that's the that's like the knee on the neck, you know. You know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong thing. Wrong thing.
3: Um what about when so the first time we saw the police in this movie I believe was was it when they uh the fire the hydrant? car with the fire hydrant? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then just the way they were acting towards uh that guy with the um a convertible car or whatever. So he's like, my car soaked, they wrecked my car. And they're like, the cops didn't, weren't they just like, well, you better get out of here before they steal your rims or whatever, something like (laughs) that. Like, and like, it seemed like they could care less what was happening at the time. So I don't know. It it was, I, after seeing that interaction with the police like that, I was also like that. I think that's where my guard went down with, okay, when is something going to happen or what is going to happen in this movie? And then I thought my guard went down. Like, I'm like, Oh, the police are just kind of goofy guys too, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> all hell breaks loose by the end. So,
1: yeah, I was going to jump in the one of the other or the, the main influence on Spike Lee to make this film was based on a real incident that I think it happened in like in 1985 or 1986, where a black man was chased out of a pizzeria, like in kind of like that same area, or maybe it was like just in New York, and. They chased him out, he ran off, he ran into the street, a car hit him and he died. Then there was like some big protest and stuff at this pizza Italian owned pizzeria. So that was kind of like the, the catalyst that got him to start writing on this script. I just want to call it too, like there's another kind of just one of those moments in this movie where you're just like, damn, where it's just it's too relevant and sadly relevant is after uh Radio Raheem is killed by the police. They're like, oh, it's just like Michael Stewart. You know, it's just like Eleanor Bumpers, like calling out these like real, you know, people like real incidents that happened that again were happened to be, you know, killed and murdered by police. And this brings up that whole like, um, say their name. And it's kind of one of those things, too. It just kind of hits you really hard, like the shit that we've we've seen kind of come up over the last year and a half here or so. It's kind of like a crazy scene that is, yeah, too relevant today, but just, I don't know, kind of just looks at the insight and vision, too, I think, of Spike Lee to include something like that in this film. Boy, those are a lot
0: of good takes. Do you guys have anything else you want to add before we? I do. I really do. To end on a lighter note, one thing I noticed, in addition to all the other pop cultural references he threw in, Mm -hmm. is what a big sports fan Spike Lee is, which I love. Because I, too, am a big sports fan. So he starts the film Mookies in his Knicks jersey when he wakes up. And I'm not a big NBA guy, but right away, you know it. And we know Spike Lee has been at every Knicks game since whenever he got season tickets. He's always on TV, like most famous Knicks fan. But then he throws on a Dodgers jersey, you know, probably originally the Brooklyn Dodgers. I got a little triggered because I'm a Rockies fan. So immediately (laughs) I was like, oh, Dodgers. Oh, number 42, Jackie (laughs) Jackie Robinson. Robinson. It's okay. It's okay. Yep. That's fine. I love Jackie Robinson and everything he contributed to the sport, and for Black people in America, that's great. Um, and then the scene with uh, the guy in the Larry Bird jersey running over uh, bugging out's Air Jordans. I I love that scene. Oh, yeah. that scene. Go was back home, home, like
1: scene. they're like go back to go back to
0: Boston or something like that. He's <laughs> yeah. like I was born in Brooklyn. They're like oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I just I love how he can work in those cultural feelings we have about sports teams and players and um yeah just how it kind of plays out with everyday people i <laughs> i love those touches
1: yeah it was a nice touch of uh, gentrification there with the guy from boston that says he owns the entire building so totally so he scuffs up uh bugging out shoes
3: oh his new jordans new jordans it's gotta be the shoes <laughs> So, right. this was up for best screenplay for the, at the Oscars.
1: It was best screenplay, and what else? It was like two noms, right? From this one? Uh,
3: one of the actors, it was a supporting actor. Oh, it was uh, Val, uh, Sal. It was up for best supporting.
0: How yeah, did they didn't we get anything what for best this, picture this year? How did this not Driving work? Driving Miss Daisy ironic. <laughs> oh, you want to hear you want to
3: hear some of these white <laughs> white movies out that year? Best pictures nominations Driving Miss Daisy, Dead Poets Society, Field of Dreams, Born on the 4th of July, and My Left Foot. Uh, so.
0: I love Field of Dreams and Dead Poets Society, but this is the better movie. Yeah, robbed. What has has
1: Spike Lee won, won anything for best picture?
3: Clan, oh, oh. Or not, oh, I was going to say, not picture. Klansman was like his closest thing for. Oh, was that nominated
1: again for Did was he that win? last year?
3: I thought it was. Uh, Academy Awards. Best Adapted Screenplay winner, Black Klansman. Best Picture, it was just nominated. Director, nominated. So Adapted Screenplay is what it won. Uh, Do the Right Thing was the next thing. Yeah, actually, Do the Right Thing, a Black Klansman is the main thing he was nominated for as far as Oscars go. Probably one
1: of the most underrated <laughs> uh, uh, directors.
3: Oh, my God, I, I forgot it. he directed Old Boy, the American version. He did? That's yeah. on my
0: to-watch list.
3: Yeah, the one with uh, Josh Brolin and really? uh, Wanda from Vision.
0: Yeah, he's. I, I Googled it, too. He's still yet to win <laughs> a directing Oscar, which seems like a crime.
1: Always well, gonna win it for the, the erection movie, right? Oh god, there, no!
3: The erection musical, <laughs> musical. <laughs> <laughs> like, if it's harder for longer than four hours, <laughs> go see a doctor.
1: <laughs> Before we go, I want to thank you for downloading this episode of Movie Time Machine. Remember, new episodes drop on Fridays. Please send your questions, comments, and feedback to MovieMachinePod at gmail.com and you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMachinePod. I definitely know that there's probably a lot of things that we missed to talk about on this movie, so if you have anything that you want to comment about uh, that we can share in a show, go ahead and send it to us. Uh, thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. See ya. See ya. Bye.